And uh, let's start in verse number 1 and read down to verse 5. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euthius and I beseech Sintichi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, we just ask that you would uh, be with this evening, be with your word, that let it not return void, but accomplish all that you have for it. Let your name be honored and glorified in all. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to apply your word um, rightly. And if there's anyone lost here as well, that you would save them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, um, just want to thank you all for praying for our family and uh, continue to pray for us. Um, if we're not at one of our supporting churches or here, um, we are trying to do some research in other Spanish ministries and churches, seeing how they um, handle their ministries and Spanish churches and that. Um, so uh, learning some, and um, it's not a whole lot different than Peru, but the U.S. is a lot different than Peru. Uh, so Hispanic ministry has another, an added complexity there. Um, but continue to pray for us. We are... Um, I believe the Lord's narrowing things down, but when, as soon as I say that, I'll get a call from a pastor or church or someone that I've talked to saying, hey, you know, brother, what we talked about, um, and, you know, we'd be interested, and, and then I'm like, okay, well, okay, Lord, is this, is this something else I need to be considering? Uh, so uh, keep us in your prayers. Of course, we want to do exactly what God wants us to do, and... Um, be exactly where he wants us to be. And Pastor Danny and others have told me, basically, you can't go wrong when it comes to where you're going to be and with Hispanics, working with Hispanics, because there's a need there. And I think that's what makes it, makes it hard, um, because there is a need. Unfortunately, um, it's bad. It's just like being, it's just like the other parts of Latin America, except for in the U.S. and the Charismatics and the cults um, are, are doing exactly what they do uh, in, in Peru, and and they have they've already got a foothold in the Hispanic communities and of course the Catholic Church as well. And so um, anywhere I go, I'm finding that they've already been there and they've got a heads up um, on that. So. Uh, uh, pray for us, because there's there's a need uh, for good, sound, biblical preaching in, I know, in English and in Spanish as well. And uh, But uh, I, I, we, I've been to Middletown now three times, surveying, looking around, talking with people, and uh, I'm not exactly sure if that's where the Lord's leading, but uh, it's kind of looking that way. Um, but like I said, again, I say that, and then I'll get a call and be like, well, brother, we could, we would love to be able to do something. And so uh, pray for us in that. But 
If you want to pray specifically, um, you know, we're praying specifically that we would be able to uh, have a place where we can um, start uh, meeting and and not pay rent or pay very little rent um, until we can get uh, a good group or core group of people. Uh, pray that um, the Lord would give us a, a family or a couple uh, to help us in the work. Um, and, you know, I would love to take any of you, if Pastor Danny would want, um, you, uh, just we need Spanish. So <laughs> if you could speak Spanish, that, that's a big plus. And, uh, and so pray for that and then pray, um, um, already praying that God would um, give me young men to train. Uh, so uh, pray for that. Um, one of the things I'm noticing, not only here in, in the States, of all, all around Peru, Hispanic culture, Latin America, um, is that the young men need to be trained um, if there's going to be... Uh, we have the opportunity here, especially in the U.S., to um, train these men and fund them and send them out to the countries they're from um, with good, sound doctrine. And uh, that's something the Lord's putting on my heart. And I hope in the years to come, we might be able to remedy some of that um, with the Institute or, or something, if the Lord wills. So um, anyways, pray for those things. And I believe the Lord is, is getting that funnel down to a point. Uh, so just pray that um, we'll know exactly what that is and be able to start making contacts. Because I was telling Becca, um, right now, I'm just a weird English guy that speaks Spanish to Hispanics. So, so when so when we go into these neighborhoods and I'm like all bouncy, like just dying to speak Spanish to someone, they're like, "Why is this dude speaking Spanish to me? What does he want?" You know, and I'm just like, "Hey, I just want to talk to you. I just want to speak Spanish." Um, so, um, we need some uh, common or organic ways to make contacts so we're not just like everyone's just like what does this guy want with me you know or is this guy ice and he is he going to turn me in so <laughs> uh, pray for pray for that as well um all right so here in uh, philippians i, I want to look at something uh, that uh, the lord <clears throat> con convicts me on a lot but uh, you know i think i think it was 2019 when he, the Lord was really convicting me about uh, finding joy in, in the Lord. Rejoice, uh, rejoice in the Lord, as verse number four says here. Um, I was making my family miserable, basically. And um, just because the load of ministry, the burdens of ministry. Um, and I thought, well, you know, maybe just the years in ministry. Uh, it, back then. At that time, I guess it had been about 20 years in ministry. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm just burnt out or something. And I was in Peru, so I was thinking, well, maybe it's just Peru. Maybe I just need to change, change the scenery. Well, we get, to the state, we get to the States, and I was the same grumpy guy making everything miserable for my family. And uh, so uh, during that furlough in 2019, um, I knew that something had to change or my family was not going to want to be in ministry with me. <laughs> um, so 
and, and, you know, this is one of the things that had to change for me is wh- where my joy was and where I found my joy. And so tonight I want to just focus in really on verse number four here and, and ask you, you know, how is your joy? Uh, we are, what's today, the 14th? So we're 14 days into 2024. And where is your joy and who is your joy in and how is that joy. Uh, questions to think about uh, this evening. Um, I find it humorous, you know, that to, to even be broaching this subject because I am the least of people to be talking about this because I have not been, I've had to learn this over and over like every day, but especially since we left Peru. Um, uh, e- e- even um, just sitting in church because I find myself just uh, you know, when I'm worshiping in Spanish, when I'm singing in Spanish, when I'm preaching or teaching in Spanish, that's when I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do. And so, like, if I'm doing something in English even, I find myself not content and, and saying, and, and, and not even focused on worshiping. And so, um, I, it's something that I'm constantly having to go back to. Okay, what, what am I joining in? What's the object of my joy and, uh, you know, that's, again, what I want to look at uh, this evening. And Paul gives us this command, and that's the first thing I want, want us to notice here in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. And I know um, all of us here tonight have heard this verse a lot and probably heard it preached a lot. Um, but it, it's funny because... We don't get a choice. We don't really get a say in it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Um, now, real quick, I just want to take you through Philippians and just look at the other verses that mention this exact uh, word, rejoice and joy. So if you go over to Philippians 1, we'll just flip over to chapter 1 and verse 18. And um, there's other instances where our English word rejoice is used here, but I just want to show you the, this exact word, Cairo, uh, that is used um, for rejoice and joy in, in this exact way um, here in, in Philippians. Philippians 1.18, Paul says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now tonight we're not going to do this, but um, you know, if you got time during the week, I, I challenge you just to go back at these verses and look at the context of what Paul is telling us to rejoice or to joy in. Uh, so that's one instance, the same exact word we're seeing in, in our text in 4.4. 4. Uh, go over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, he says, Yea, And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So same word there, joy and rejoice. Same same word uh, in the Greek, different word for us in English. 18, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Uh, Now look at verse 28 of the same chapter. It says, I send him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. 
Uh, now go over to chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And then the next instance is our text in verse 4. And then in verse number 10 of chapter 4, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. So, again, if you got time during the week, you can go through those verses and look at the whole context of, of that. But I find it, you know, all throughout this little book, Paul is telling us to joy and to rejoice. And he is imprisoned. You know, he's writing from prison. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I was writing a letter to prison, I would not be talking about joy and rejoicing. I would probably be trying to get sympathy from people like, well, don't forget about me and send me something good and, uh, you know, who knows what. Um, but uh, he, is, he is reminding them to rejoice and to joy. And he gives this command in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it's, it's, it's a command, and he gives it in the active voice, which means that it is to be habitual. It's to be a lifestyle. It's to be the way that we live is rejoicing and joying, if I can say, um, uh, as believers. Um, now, now, don't miss the context of it here in our text. So, if you go to verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You know, I wish I could be that encouraging. I was never that encouraging to our people in Peru. I don't think I'm that encouraging with my words to my to my wife or girls either. But, you know, right in twice, Paul says here, my dearly Beloved, no? Um, sorry, just came out there. Um, but, yeah. so he says, uh, Beloved and long for my joy and crown, stand fast. And so, uh, first, he encourages them to keep on keeping on, to stand fast. Probably referring to trials or to persecutions uh, that they were experiencing. Then you go to verse number 2. And we find two sisters um, that were in disunity, uh, had a difference of opinion. Now, does that ever happen in church? <laughs> right. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what was going on, but he, he encourages them to be of the same mind in the Lord. And, you know, if you study that out, that's another theme in this book about being of the same mind, being... Um, unanime. What's the word in united? Um, but it's a little bit different. Harmony. Okay, uh, being in harmony as brothers and sisters in Christ and as a church. Um, and then verse three, he says, "I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel." And so, um. Verse 1, we, we see encouraging, probably because of trials, probably because persecutions, encouraging them, exhorting them to stand fast, to don't give up. Verse 2, we see encouragement saying, hey, let it go. Forgive 
and keep moving on. Let, let, we have one common cause in Christ. Uh, verse 3, um, there were women in need. And he brings that all together saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So just in three verses, Paul runs kind of a, the gamut of, of circumstances uh, that can happen in, in life. And then he gives us the command to rejoice. And not only to do it once, but to keep doing it, to live it uh, daily. And as if once wasn't enough, he repeats it at the end of that verse. And so it's as if Paul's recognizing us nowadays with those like a jaw drop moment, mouth wide open saying, are you kidding? What? You're, you're saying we, we need to live rejoicing? We need to live in a state of joy? And, you know, I read that and I say, yeah, that's great. But what, what, do, we, what do we automatically think? Well, you don't, you're not in my shoes. You're not living in the day I'm living in. You haven't gone through what I'm going through. And you can, I mean, you can hear Paul say, come on, think about what I've gone through, uh, you know. Um, but it's hard because as human beings, we are emotional people, right? And, but, but here we see that it's, it's a command to rejoice. So it's not something that we really have a choice on. It's something that we're commanded to do as believers. And you know, why is this important? Because God expects us to rejoice no matter the circumstances. Whether we find ourselves facing tests or trials, whether we are under persecution for our faith, whether we've been offended, uh, whether we've, we've you know, had, had, had a fight with someone in church or with a family member, uh, whether we have needs that seem insurmountable, we are commanded here to rejoice. Now, let's look at how to do that. So we see the command here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, you know, we didn't even talk about that whole always that he puts there, right? I mean, as if it wasn't hard enough to say rejoice, then he puts always on there. Now, how in the world... Are we supposed to rejoice or joy always? Well, he, he gives us the, the object of our joy right there. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So the object of our joy is clear here. It's to be the Lord. It's to be Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because if we have to rejoice always, if we're commanded to rejoice always, then what, the object of our joy needs to be constant. Jesus is constant. Jesus never changes. Jesus never fails. He's always the same. And that is why we can joy always. That's why we can rejoice Always, because He doesn't change. Our circumstances change. Everything in the world changes. On a daily basis, it, it, it can just change like that. 
but he never changes. And so if the object of our joy is Jesus, we can be rejoicing always. And I, I believe, you know, if you and I could really take hold and grasp this, it would revolutionize the roller coaster of emotions that we live uh, on a, or that we feel on a daily basis. You know, like I said, we are emotional beings, but we are not to be controlled by our emotions. And too often we are controlled by our emotions. Um, too often we confuse joy with happiness. And we make joy an emotion. And I don't, I don't think that joy is an emotion. Joy is the byproduct of um, an emotion. So we rejoice. And that rejoicing is the byproduct of joy. So remember, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then what comes next? Joy. So, joy is not an emotion. Now, what comes from it is. And if we, if we are rejoicing, we aren't going to be able to hide that, right? Um, so, think of it this way. Joy in the Lord is more like a thermostat than a thermometer. Okay, a thermostat registers conditions. While a, I'm sorry, a thermometer registers conditions and the, the thermostat controls them. So, uh, for instance, happiness, which we often confuse with joy, is something related to the thermometer. Okay? Um, if your hap is good, your circumstance is good, you're happy. If your hap is bad, then you're unhappy. And so that, that means that your condition of happiness goes up and down according to your circumstances. Okay? That's normal. Okay? We are happy or sad according to whatever is going on uh, around us. But um, joy remains constant because Jesus is constant. Why? Because the thermostat is constant, Right? If you set the thermostat at 70, it's going to be a 70. And if your thermostat is set to joy in Jesus, it's constant. The joy stays. And, and that's why it's so important that Jesus is the object of our joy. Because if not, then we're just going up and down and up and down. And there's no constant. But if the object of our joy is Jesus, then it just takes guessing out of whether we're going to obey or not because this command to rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord, okay? So the object is there. He's the object of my joy. And I'm going to rejoice. Um, I was thinking about this and thinking about a time in Peru and Wow, I could, there's tons of stories that I could give you where the object of my joy was not Jesus. 
Um, and, and one of those times I was thinking about was probably, I think it was 2008 or 2009. Um, we were in the second house that we rented in Peru. And um, they had uh, the municipalidad, the, the municipality was putting in water lines. So we had water, but it was connected to the community. So in Peru, especially where we lived, the community, uh, the comunidad, uh, which would have been um, Quechua villages that at one time owned all this land and that was given to them. Uh, so they had the water rights and so you, you had to talk to them and you, you paid the community. Um, but uh, then eventually once you, you, you could form an association your and your neighborhood could form an association and then you could pay much money to the community, get out of their association, and get your own water through the city. Well, they, so our neighborhood was doing that. And so we ended up not having one, running water in our house for about three months because they were connecting lines. And so I found it really hard to find my joy in Jesus uh, without water. And my wife especially, to this day, I think she has PTSD of not being able to get a shower. Like, that's one of the first things she's like, I'm getting a shower tonight. Um, because there were so many times uh, in Peru, like, you never know when the water's going to be cut off. And so <laughs> it's like, get the shower while there's water. Uh, but we went like three months without running water in the house. And uh, because it takes forever to get anything done in Peru. And that was quick for them. Uh, so at first they had trucks, um, water trucks that would come by and then you would have to wait in line and you would just find in everything in your house that you could fill with water, fill it up with water so that you could use it until the truck came by again. Well, then people complained about that, like, eh, that's not coming around enough. So then they opened up a spigot up at the top of the hill. So then I had to walk, um, every day. Um, and I would fill up two five-gallon buckets of water, and that's what we would use for the day. So it was like we got five, two five-gallon buckets of water for the day. And uh, so we did that, and uh, we got used to it, got used to it. Um, but then it came where, where they were going through our alley, and the water company was there, and they were digging the hole, and they were going to connect us. And so I was out there talking to the guys, and uh, they said... Um, you know, we'll probably get around and you had to buy your own materials and everything like that, which I didn't know at that time. So I'm wondering like, okay, when are you guys going to connect us? And they're like, well, you need to buy us the stuff so we can connect you. So, okay, I'll do it. Let's go. Tell me what we need. So buy the stuff and, uh, they're out there and say, well, we're they're digging and they're at the neighbors and they're th I'm thinking, okay, they might could get to us today. And they say, well, it'll probably be tomorrow. So I go out there, and I'm like, I'll help you. So I started helping them dig the hole, you know, dig the trench right in front of our house because you had to dig the part from the house to the, to the line. And um, so we do that. And I'm, like, so excited. And uh, they, they, they light the paper on fire because they don't have torches that they can use. So they light paper on fire, heat up the pipe, you know, and they're sitting there <laughs> heating up the pipe, and then they stick the pipes in there because they don't even use fittings. And so you watch, I'm watching this like, are you kidding? I'll go buy the fittings. They're at the store, you know, but uh, they're doing all this and they get it connected. And I'm just, I'm so happy, ready to cry. And I go, I tell Becca, Becca, 
turn the water on, see if we got water. And we had no water. And I couldn't believe it. I'm about ready to cry now because there's no water and I was so wanting water. And uh, come to find out, the landlords of our house had not put in two meters. They had one meter and they were cheating the system running the house, the part they, that was right next to us and our place on one meter. So I did all that just to connect my neighbor's water. And I was so upset. And I go out to those guys and I'm like, you didn't connect doors. There's another meter. You got to connect doors. You got to do it tonight. And um, finally, they, I mean, they could see how desperate I was. They could see I was about to cry because we didn't have water. Um, and so they said, we'll come back first thing tomorrow morning. And they did. They were true to their word, which I was like, no way. They're not coming back tomorrow. But they did. But through all that, I, I say all that because finally we did get water connected and, and we, were, we were rejoicing. But I cannot say that I was rejoicing for those three months uh, when we didn't have running water. Um, Jesus was not the object of my joy. And that night when they connected my neighbor's house instead of ours, he definitely was not the object of my joy. And I can say that I, I was so mad. Um, but, you know, you all have gone through, through experiences where the object of your joy has not been Jesus. I know, all of us have. So, how do we, how do we go about that? How, how can he be the object of our joy? And uh, because, you know, Hebrews 13, 18 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So we know he doesn't change, and we know he's the constant, and we know, hey, if I can just, if he can be the object of my joy, then, then problem solved. So why is it so hard for us? Why is it so hard? And, you know, I keep asking myself that question without a really good answer. But tonight, just to close with some application, um, what do we do? I think first we have to embrace insufficiency. Embrace the fact that we can't do it on our own. He can't be the object of our joy just in our own strength and in our own power. It's not going to just be self-will that says, all right, I'm focused on Jesus, and Jesus, you're the object of my joy. Why? Because as we mentioned, Galatians 5.22 says it's a fruit of the Spirit. So it comes from the Spirit. So we need to embrace the fact that we can't do it on our own. Um, it's the Holy Spirit who gives joy. And you know, we're not talking about the world's definition of joy. We're not talking about a temporal joy like our society defines. You know, those who don't know Jesus look uh, at joy as being an emotion that comes from, it comes through success, it comes through good luck, it comes through good health, it comes through obtaining everything you want, it comes through earning enough money to buy um, the things that, that you want. And our world looks at that and says, if I can just get that, I can have joy. But we know better. 
And so that's why we need to remember Nehemiah 8.10. The people were there, if you remember in Nehemiah, they, they were weeping uh, because of their sin. And after hearing the message, and he says, hey, don't weep. This is a day, a day for rejoicing. And he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So joying in the Lord is where our strength comes from. And that comes through the Spirit. Our, our strength is found in Christ. So first, you know, we have to embrace insufficiency, but then we need to seek Jesus. If, we're gonna, if he's going to be the object of our joy, we've got to seek him. And um, I was not seeking him when we did not have water in our house. And, and that night, especially when we, I was helping those guys dig a hole and then got it connected just for our neighbor, I was not seeking Jesus that night. Um, and, you know, I told you in 2019, you know, I was making my family miserable. I wasn't seeking Jesus. But you know what? I was reading my Bible every morning. I was reading my Bible every evening. I was praying, I was going to church, I was preaching, I was teaching, I was discipling. But I wasn't seeking Jesus. And believe it or not, that's very easy to do in the ministry. So I know what it is to have to seek Jesus and to have to make it a priority to seek him. And I want to challenge all of us this evening. Seek Jesus. If he if we say he cannot be he can't be the object of our joy if we're not seeking him. And we can do everything that we're doing today on a Sunday without seeking him. He said Jesus said in John 15, 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So, he wants his joy to remain in us, and our joy to be full. But how does that happen? Well, if you read John 15, it's abiding in him. So, we've got to seek him. And then we need to delight in obeying. We need to delight in obeying this command to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I want to read you something that, that Spurgeon said about this verse. He says, In the first place, this is a very delightful thing. What a gracious God we serve who makes delight to be a duty. I never thought about it that way. Delight to be a duty. Uh, you know, do I delight in obeying Um I didn't delight most of the times in obeying my parents. I know that. But delight to be a duty and who commanded us to rejoice. This word rejoice is not only joy once, but it is joy over again. Rejoice. We are to joy and then we are to rejoy. We are to chew the cud of delight. We are to roll the dainty morsel under our tongue till we get the very essence out of it. How's that happen? By seeking Jesus and delighting to do what he wants us to do. And I don't know about you, but in my own life, when I find that I am not 
rejoicing always, it's normally because I'm not, he's not the object and I'm not delighting in obeying him. I want my own way. I want to do my own thing. I'm being selfish and just want it that way. I find that when I start to delight to do what he wants me to do, and then, once again, he's the object. And then that joy is restored. So this evening, the command, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How do we do that? He's got to be the object of our joy. Now, how do we get to that point? Embrace the fact that we can't do it on our own. It comes from him. And that's why we have to seek him and delight in doing his will. And then I believe we can say like Habakkuk does in closing in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, one of my favorite passages, he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. So Habakkuk says, even though nothing is at all how I wanted it to go, how I thought it was going to go, how I would like it to be. Verse 18, he says, yet I will rejoice. He doesn't say in, what, in the circumstances. He said, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hind's feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. You don't get to that point unless you're seeking him and delighting in him and in his will. And so, again, this evening, just a challenge for all of us as we've, we've already started this week, a new week, to rejoice in the Lord always and again say rejoice let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we th thank you again for this evening Lord thank you for your word uh, thank you for uh, your reminding of us reminding us this evening from your word what we need to be doing as believers to rejoice in you and Lord I pray um, for forgiveness on my part and uh, for not Rejoicing in you for looking around me at my own circumstances and for not making you the object of my joy. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help each of us to, to just be able to focus on you, to seek you, and have you be the focus and object of our joy so that our joy remains constant in a world that is ever-changing and even crazier and crazier each day, Lord, our joy as Christians can be constant because you are constant and because you never change. And, Lord, thank you that um, you give us that joy and the ability to rejoice uh, in the midst of any circumstances, in the midst of 
whether it's the hardest, saddest, most difficult circumstance of our life or whether it's the best, you give us the ability to rejoice in you and help us not to forget that. Thank you again for uh, this evening. And Lord, we do ask that your name be honored and glorified in, in everything. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.